That's awesome. But also, happy Thanksgiving. If you're visiting with us, I hope you've had some great time with uh, friends and family. It's great that you've come here to join us in our family for this, this weekend. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. I want to also thank those who uh, went to the Union Mission yesterday and helped serve. We got, uh, you know, there's lots of food that has been donated, so we began to sort it. And, uh, you know, just uh, trying to imitate the heart of Jesus, uh, his, his desire to reach out to the poor. And we're going to look at a different, I love, I love, I love Jesus because he is so, so complete. He's not just simply this, this soft-hearted, compassionate Jesus, which he is, I mean, you see it all through scripture, who has this tenderness for those who are down and out and the poor. But as we'll see today, there's this side of Jesus that is absolutely bold, who is confident, who is poised, and he is willing to step over lines and call us and everyone else to step over the line with him and choose to battle for him. I love that heart of Jesus. You know, this week, if you follow college football, was rival week. You follow the, the, the teams in Florida, Florida and Florida states. I don't know whose side you were on, but one of them won, the, you know, the, the, the Florida state guys won. Oregon and Oregon state also kind of went to battle last night. I have to remember who else. Alabama, that's right. Alabama and Auburn. That too, but they weren't in the top four. <laughs> they were hoping, and they still are hoping. Mississippi and Mississippi State. Now that was an upset. I'm not going to go through all the rivalries. But the point is, we're going to enter in one of a rivalry week with Jesus. The criticism that is going to come his way, he is going to kind of step into the furnace, so to speak. But as I just said, we're going to see a character of Jesus that is willing to go toe-to-toe and battle with those who, who who would oppose him. Jesus has made the decision to go to Jerusalem and to die. He's now roughly two miles away from Jerusalem. He has stepped over his line. He has drawn battle lines in his own life, and he is resolute. His convictions are set, and nothing, absolutely nothing, is going to stop him from achieving his goal. He's talked openly about it, talked very clearly about it, so much so that even those were like, surely this is not what's planned. And then he calls those who would follow to say that this is going, you need to have the same mindset. So to be committed to my cause, you must step over and draw the same lines in your life. He's laid out a challenge to those who listen and to, and to those of us that we need to count the cost. He sent others out to preach and they were making an impact in God's kingdom, in, 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 over Satan's kingdom. He talked about priorities 
what is necessary to follow. He's talked about prayer and how important that is if we are going to really, really get the job done. And it's going to require supernatural help. Something that is not done by your power, but only by His. And as you can imagine, the opposition begins to increase in intensity. But I love Jesus' heart. Because He is going to run to the fight. He's not going to back down. He is not going to flinch one bit. And the wording here in the, in the passage that we are going to look at in Luke is purposefully strong. It's, very, it's worded very militaristic about battles and fights and armor. And, and Jesus wants to make it clear that there is a battle going on but what side of the war, what side are you going to choose? And he's going to call us all to a decision today. He is fighting a battle. There are rivals at, at war that Jesus is fighting. And there are, there, is, there are rivals and there are battles that we face in our lives. We even heard some share about that today. The demons that we face. The battles of sin that we face in our lives. But it really does come down to what, what decisions and what lines we choose to cross. And Jesus expected decisions to be made back then, and he expects decisions to be made with us today. The title of the sermon then is, Whose Side Are You Fighting On? Let's read Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 14. <clears throat> now he referring to Jesus, was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the man who had been, been mute began to speak. And the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, by the power of Beelzebul, the ruler of demons, you have to go back to the Old Testament to, and Baal and, and the prince of demons. And so they're saying by this, by this, this, this demon or by this god, Jesus is casting out demons. Others, to test him, began asking for a sign from heaven. We, we, we want some proof from you, Jesus. Healing of this demon is not good enough. I want something more. I want something authentic to really prove who you are. But Jesus, realizing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is destroyed. And a divided household falls like a house of cards. So if Satan, too, is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? I ask you this because you claim that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has already overtaken you. It's come sooner than you expected. So when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his possessions are safe. But when a stronger man attacks and conquers him, he takes away the first man's armor on which the man relied and divides up his plunder. You just go back to even what was read. The, 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 the legion, 
or the demon-possessed man was filled with demons and chains. There was no one that could, could, could have conquered, conquered him. They tried to chain him, but they couldn't. But Jesus comes by the stronger man and completely releases him. And listen to what Jesus now says. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. It, it seems like Jesus is drawing a line, is he not? He's calling us to a decision. When an unclean spirit goes out of a person, it passes through waterless places looking for rest but not finding any. Then it says, I'll return to the home I left. When it returns, it finds the house swept clean, put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they go in and live there, and so the last state of the person is worse than the first. And he said these things. A woman in the crowd spoke out, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. And Jesus replied, Blessed rather, or on the contrary, are those who hear the word of God and obey it or guard it and protect it. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, we love, uh, we love looking at the character of Jesus. Father, our Lord, the one who saved us and redeemed us. How can we express enough what you mean? But Father, there is a great tenderness to you, a great tenderness to Jesus, but today we also see a strength. Father, help us as Jesus called them to decisions, to make it clear whose side that they were fighting on, that we make decisions in our lives today to make it clear whose side we are fighting on. Father, help us to have the courage and the strength and the character of Jesus to imitate him, to be like him, and again to make those decisions in our lives. Father, use your word, your, your spirit to powerfully work in each and every one of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, our world is not comfortable with black and white and clear-cut lines and absolutes. We live in a very politically correct society, right? Someone dares stand up and kind of says, this is right and this is wrong. They become the target of our criticism. It's the same with Jesus. Those listening were not comfortable with what he was doing. And what he was calling them to do and calling them to be, because in the, in the crowds were the religious. And as Jesus began to challenge more and more and more, they realized that they had so much to lose that their lifestyle would be disrupted. And so what is typically man's response to that when we feel like we have something to lose? Well, we have got to go ahead and we've got to discredit the person who is challenging us. You see it in politics all the time. Someone running for office. You don't agree with their platform that they stand for, so what do we got to do? We've got to find some way to discredit the man, the person. And when we discredit the person, 
we attack the character of that person running and their integrity. And you impact the influence and effectiveness of the message. That is exactly what is taking place in this passage. Critics can't really argue with what's going on, so they attack the source of Jesus' power. It can't possibly be from God. So it must be from Beelzebul, from, from the prince of, 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 of the demons, Satan himself. Talk about a politically charged, talk about an inflammatory you know, statement. They were un uncomfortable with the absolutes of who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah. Think about it for a second. Even the demons, as we read in, in Luke, said, he's, he's, he's Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Even the demons exclaimed who Jesus was. So they attack him in an attempt to minimize his influence and effectiveness. And I love Jesus' poise. Because he just, how does he answer the critics? Guys, your logic does not make sense. How in the world can a kingdom stand if we are fighting against one another? How, how, can, how can Satan remain strong if, 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 if I, in fact, are, are, I'm attacking his household? It's like I said, it's, it's like a, a, a house of cards. It's going to fall. There's, there's no way that, that, that household, that kingdom is destined to fall. Then I love what Jesus says later on. He says, oh, oh by the way, you know, these, these guys who cast out demons, who, who you kind of claim to have some sort of relationship, how did they do it? You're putting me with them. Doesn't that make you kind of in cahoots with, with them as well? I love, I love Jesus' poise. I love, his, I love his, his, under pressure, he is amazing to me. How we can think so clearly. Most of us, you know, when, when kind of things get, we're, we're like, ah. But Jesus is just, he's on top of his game all of the time. He says, but if this is really the finger of God, making reference back to Moses, and the incredible things that God did. If this really is the God kind of of the Old Testament that you see working in such a powerful way, then this kingdom has overcome. It's, it's, it's come here without you even noticing it. But it's right here in your face. It came sooner than you expected because this, and I really am the Messiah. And some of them go, okay. Yeah, you drove out a demon, but I want something more. I want to see something more significant. And these signs would be something that they were looking at very clearly, again, going back to Moses and the, and the, the, the miraculous things that God would have done. It's somewhat similar to us today saying something like, you know, I've got, your, I've got the word of God, thank you for that, but I need something more to go on before I really can believe. I need something supernatural. I, I need you to work in a, in a, give me a sign that you're really with me. And what, to me, what is very clear at the end, the last statement in this passage that Jesus says is, you have the word of God. It's simply a matter of whether you will obey it or not. 
And over and over and over again, through already through Luke, he is, Jesus has challenged those of us, are we listening, are we hearing, and are we putting it into practice? So it's not a matter of whether we need a, a, a miraculous sign. It really, we have God's word. Are we putting it into practice? And it's time today for all of us to step over the line. The battle lines have been drawn. It's time to pick a side. That's what Jesus is saying. And so I have one point and one point only. Pick a side and get into the fight. What I see in this passage is that there is no neutral ground there is no riding the fence. There, there's, there's nothing that, that, that kind of allows you to, to stay, you know, uncommitted one way or the other. I'm a nice guy by nature. But Jesus forces me as the nice guy to draw lines that I sometimes are uncomfortable with. Jesus asks us as disciples to draw lines that we sometimes are not comfortable with. And some of those are what, what it really means to follow Jesus. What it really means to have your life and get your life right with God. What it really means to be righteous before Him. I want to fit in. I want to be liked. But there are times in the character of Jesus, if I'm going to be like him, I have got to draw those lines in my life as well. I can't always be liked. You can't always be liked. Oh, what about the gray areas? We love gray areas. Here's a gray area. We call looking at a woman in a way that we shouldn't, looking at merchandise but not touching it. When Jesus calls it adultery. We look at little grudges that we have and little prejudices or racism, and he calls it hate. We love the nice little neutral baby Jesus that we are going to think about at Christmas, who's sweet and he's innocent who lies in a manger and coos. But that Jesus didn't stay there. That Jesus grew up and to become this man that we are reading about today that calls us to step over the line and, and, to, and to draw clear lines, not in gray areas, to make them black and white, to, to make them clear and clearly focused. I'm challenged because he challenges my selfishness in my discipleship. And over the next few weeks, we're going to see Jesus go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the religious elite. And he doesn't flinch. He doesn't compromise. He has no political correctness in his speech. In fact, in, in a few weeks, we're going to see they're ready to just, just kill him right away. They're, they're ready to take him to the cross because he is so bold in what he calls us, called them to do. And he calls them to do the same. This inspires me. I hope today that you are inspired by the character of Jesus. That you will want to step over the line. And he says, if you're not with me, 
you are against me. No, 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 Jesus. I'm, I'm, no, if you're not with me, you're against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. It can't be that clear, Jesus. Surely not. Yes, it is. So let's talk about what it means to be with him. To hear God's word and obey it. We already talked about that at the end of this, this whole section. Most of the Bible is very clear to understand. There are some sections, I mean, you have to dig in deep. But I tell you, when it comes to how to become a Christian, how to live as a disciple, it's very, very clear. When it comes to living lives day in and day out, it is very, very clear. The question is, are you reading it? Are you studying it? Are you applying it to your life? Will you sit down and will you apply the Bible to your life rather than vice versa? Trying to make sure, you know, make sure that it, it kind of fits you. Will you make it fit you? That makes sense? We can't approach it and say, okay, well, let me find the things that make me comfortable. Bible, Bible is going to rock our world. We've got to be courageous to, to sit down and look at it and make decisions in our lives, even when it challenges traditions and beliefs of our own. Picking a side means that you will make him Lord of your life. Already this month, Yvonne, Patricia, and Juan, and this afternoon, Scott, have, have made decisions in their lives to step over the line. They have chosen to pick a side. So proud of each one of them to make Jesus Lord of their life. You talk to them. I'm sure it just wasn't just smooth sailing and everything that they were challenged with as, as the scriptures were opened. There are things in Juan's life, I'm not going to share his sin publicly in front of you, but uh, that he, he was challenged with, but I love his heart. Even before what we said, you need to go and do this, he had already done some of that. Some of the things, uh, trying to reconcile relationships that, that, that you know, had, had been broken. He just had a heart to deal with the sin in his life. That was courageous. That was not easy. What about dealing with sin in your life? What does it really mean to, to, to go after that? What does it really mean to, even if, you fall, if, even if you've fallen away, like Bernice, to come back to God? To, with humility, just to surrender your life once again. Yes, I, have, I was against him for, for a period of time, but now I am drawing a line. I am, I am back on his side. I am choosing to be back with God, to be with Jesus. Bernice, that is, a, that is a courageous thing to do. Now, what about us? Several of us, we, we, it was 1987 when I was baptized. It's a long time ago. But every time I see a baptism, 
I hope I never take what happened in my life back then for granted. The incredible miracle that took place that I and you could have a relationship with Jesus. But what about us? What does Jesus call us today? How is he telling us to kind of step over the line and pick a size? It's much more than wearing your jersey on Sunday. And this is our jerseys on Sunday, right? Now, whether you choose to wear a tie or whatever, however you choose to get dressed up, this, this is not about wearing your, your, your jersey on Sunday and then taking it off for the rest of the week. And maybe you put on a more casual training jersey on Tuesday night. Are you all in? Have you stepped over the line? Have you picked a side every single day of your life? Are you just as clear today as the day you got baptized and made Jesus Lord of your life? Or have the lines begun to be blurred? To be blurred in your life? Is Jesus comfortable? Or is he still stirring things up? To be with me means that you are fighting to deal with sin in your life. You're still open. You're still making decisions. But again, are there blurred lines? What you choose to listen to. What you choose to watch on TV. Who you choose to be with. And what you choose to influence you. Again, I'm so proud of, of, of Juan as, as he made the decision. This was even before his deployment. He says, I, I'm, I, I'm going to stop listening to, to uh, you know, R&B and, and hip-hop that influences me in the wrong way. And he cut it out. He got it off his phone. He stopped listening to it. Why? Because it was not influencing him in the right way. He, he, he had made some gray lines, and he said, no, I need some more clear-cut ways to make that. I need to follow God. I appreciate that courage. How about you? Are you fighting the battles of sin in your character? And here's the thing. Are you winning? I see from this passage that we need to be winning. That Jesus expects victory in our lives. He expects us to, 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 to beat the demons in our lives. How do you expect to have victory over lifelong strongholds if not for Jesus? And some of us have had victories. We come into the kingdom. We have victories of, of sin. But they come back just like this passage. And they come back with a vengeance. And we go, what's going on? And I say to you, we stop going back to Jesus. And we stop getting help. And we stop being courageous. And we stop making decisions. We stop picking sides. We try to get gray. And that's when everything falls apart. And it's time for those of you who have not seen victory in your character, in your sin, to make decisions and pick a side in your life.
I am going to go after this. Because what this tells me, and this inspires me in fact, that Jesus is stronger. He's the stronger man. He's not the weaker man. Yes, Satan has a great grip on on people's lives. But, But Jesus can break the chains, amen? I think the challenge for us is that we try to clean up our lives by worldly methods. I try to change my character not by going to Jesus, not by using the Spirit, not by digging into the Word and and kind of molding myself after that, but kind of refining it and putting, you know, let let me establish seven habits of highly effective spiritual living. Those disciplines are great. I'm not, I, they, they, do change, they do change parts of our lives. But if we are approaching Jesus by simply goal setting and, and discipline life, that will only have a limited impact on your life. But if we go after the deep things in our character, and you take for, just think for a second, because every single one of you has something in your character that you go, I would really love to change this in you. What is it right now? I'm not asking you to shout them out, but think about it. You have it, don't you? I really want to change this. Don't you have that? Are you going after that? Your selfishness, your pride, lust, impurity, Lack of love, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. I could go on and on and on, but are you having victory? You know, I was talking with a brother the other day, and he's getting some discipling on his character and sharing how difficult it is to kind of hear things from all different kind of angles and and then begin to go, can I really, really change this? And I went, brother, welcome to the club. Because I, too, have been getting some, some, some discipling from different angles. And it's not just because guys have kind of shared this with me and, and dis- I got discipled. No, I, in situations, I leave go, wow, I could have I said something. I could have done something. My natural nature is a conflict avoider. My natural nature is to, is to, is to be safe. But that is selfish. It's pride. And as I was telling this brother, I said, I realize that in my character, this can only be changed by the power of God. And for that reason, I'm not disheartened. I'm not discouraged. In fact, I, I, I'm, I go, amen. Because I know where exactly the source of the change is going to come from. And then when I begin to make changes in my life, I'm going to be able to say, it is only by the power and glory of God that I have done this. I've tried it on my own but it is only by God's power that I have done this. Don't you want that? This is the Jesus that we are talking about today. So we don't just sweep things and clean the house and kind of do a little bit of spring cleaning. You know, then then we sip on our latte with Jesus. 
You got to take off the sinful nature and you got to put something in its place. It's not enough just to clean the house. All you got is an empty house. Got to put some things back in there. That's where Jesus comes into the picture. That's where his spirit comes into the picture. You know, it's been so cool as a staff, as, as we have tried, and it's one of those passages even that Daniel read, to being led by the Spirit. And it almost is one of those things that seems kind of super spiritual. And, and, and it, it gets uncomfortable, let me just say that. Because I'm bordering on this kind of Holy Spirit, ooh, kind of stuff. But it's also been very liberating to try with all of my heart to, to, to follow God's Spirit in my life. The battle for my sinful nature is always raging. To speak up when I want to be silent. To serve when I want to be served. To encourage when I want encouragement. To give when I want to be given to. To sacrifice time when I want to relax. To speak up when I want to be silent. To share when I want to keep. That's the battle that continually rages with all of us. But are you listening to God's Spirit? One of the challenging, most challenging verses in the Bible to me, and I think for any of us who are religious and claim to follow God, is in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. And after making a list of all of these sins, Timothy's, Paul says to Timothy, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. No power, no change, no impact. This is neutral. This is living in neutral, going nowhere. And that's one of the most tragic things about Christianity, is that we become no different than the world. Are you still going after things in your heart? Are you allowing God to bring about these changes? Another thing to be with him and to, and to, to be on God's side is to be engaged in advancing his kingdom. We must be gathering. It is purposeful. Jesus uses these words for a reason, this, this idea of harvesting. Because we must be active, not passive, in helping people become saved. To be with them at school, with your classmates. Do they know your convictions? Or do they, do they see hypocrisy? Do they see a double life? That you invite them to, to Bible talk, to church, to devos. To invite someone in the line at the grocery store. Again, it's one of those things as we talk about being in step with the Spirit. 
You all know, as I do, the Spirit prompts you, I really should say something. But do you? The Spirit wants to gather. Jesus wants to gather. But if we're not gathering, what are we doing, according to Jesus? We're scattering. That's sobering. We've got to be in the battle for seeking and saving the lost. Your Bible talks have people visiting because you're inviting people to it. And they're not just hangouts for good food and fellowship. But they're actually Bible discussions with the lost that you're helping to become Christians. You have a list of people that you are praying for. And you're trying to influence for, to, for God. You can't miss, again, the agricultural illustrations that Jesus is trying to say about gathering. Who are you studying the Bible with? Who are you sharing your life with? Who are you sharing the gospel with? And earlier he has said that the harvest is plentiful, but what is few? It's us. It's the workers that are few. We have got to be engaged in the harvest. Picking aside and being with them also means that we are engaged in helping each other, our brothers and our sisters, grow in the faith to help form Christ in them. To disciple with a purpose. Are you still chiseling away and helping those you disciple take on the character of Jesus? Or are you just winging it? Hoping that somehow, some way, that Christ will be formed in them. What about as a parent with your kids? Are you purposeful? Are you making decisions in your life that show them who is, who, who is priority? Are you picking a side? Do they see that? Do they know that? Do they understand it? Not by what you say, but by how you live. Are you having devotionals with them? Are you, are you sitting down with them and instilling Jesus and, and, and God's word in them? Not just, again, putting on the jersey, but why by what you do at home. I'm confident that, that what we saw with, with Bill and Ari Lee on Tuesday night in the devotion is what they tried to model at home in instilling a godly household in their children. Are you doing that? Did you take notes on what he said so that you can put this into practice and make an impact on their life and help your children pick a side? Jesus very clearly makes a reference to the fact that he is stronger. And this is not a statement as we used to do as little, little, guy, little kids. Uh, my dad is stronger than your dad. And no, Jesus is, is very clear. I am the stronger man. And how will you fight when you pick the side of Jesus? How will you fight knowing that in Colossians 2, it says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. He crushed the powers and authorities of Satan by the cross. The powers and authorities that have been in your life, he crushed by the cross. 
Romans 8, if God is for us, who, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Keep reading. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If you're not with me, you're against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. You cannot remain neutral this morning. Jesus calls each one of us to a decision. What decision will you make to show that you are clearly on Jesus' side? Sit down, study the Bible. Be so open with your life and get, get at that sin that has dogged you. That, that thing in your character that has dogged you. Think for a second about that one thing that you can make a decision about. I believe everyone knows, everyone has that in their life. What is it this week? What is that decision that you will step over the line and make it very clear to you, to Jesus, and to every single one that you come in contact with, what is it that will make it very clear whose side you are fighting on? Amen?